Welcome to the Radical Outlook podcast series, Ideas That Will Blow Up Your Mind. I'm your host, Rahim Volkov. Please subscribe, like, share, and support our work on Anchor and WordPress. Thank you. One of the very foundations of political science is the principle that geography determines destiny. In the same way that the British Isles determined the naval culture and the frontier affected the American culture, Russia too can be defined by its geographic characteristics. And the most obvious element of Russia's geography is its enormous size. But the truth is that Russia's size is both an advantage as well as a liability. You see, the very core of the Russian Federation, the Moscow region, is simply indefensible. There are no mountainous ranges, no rivers or oceans, there are no swamps or deserts, only the Moscow forests and the inhospitable climate can be described as a geographic obstacle. The only thing the Russians can do in event of an invasion is drag out the war and bleed the enemy out. It is for this reason that Russia's history is largely about surviving invasion after invasion. These centuries-long experiences left a deep mark in the Russian culture and psychology. And due to these experiences, the Russian leadership became obsessed with security and survival. Welcome to Caspian Report by me, Shirvan. For more information, visit the social media pages. One of the most important moments in Russian history was the great stand at Ugra River in the year 1480. This event paved the way for a united and independent Russian state. Prior to this, the Mongols and Tatars had ruled the southern and eastern portion of modern Russia. Most of the Russian principalities were either vessels to the Golden Horde or they paid an annual tribute. The standoff at Ukra River ended centuries-long Mongol and Tatar dominance. But the most decisive era of Russian history was yet to begin. And if it wasn't for the Mongols, Tatars or Timurus from the east, it was the Teutonic Knights, the Swedish, the Polish or the Germans from the west. And if that wasn't painful enough, either the Persians or Ottomans would push from the south. There were, after all, no geographic barriers to hold off an enemy invasion. This meant that the core of the new Russian Empire, the former Grand Principality of Moscow, was extremely vulnerable to a coordinated attack from multiple sides. So the Tsar of all Russias, Ivan the Terrible, developed a new strategy in the 16th century. He made up for what Russia lacked in geographic barriers with enormous buffer zones. The strategy was simple yet effective. Bleed the enemy invasion through attrition and attacks on the supply lines. By the year 1552, Ivan had conquered the Tatar kingdom of Kazan. And this was after the great stand of 1480, the most decisive moment in Russian history as it paved the way for Russia to transform itself into an empire. You see, conquering the strategic city of Kazan allowed the Russians to use the Volgograd River as a major supply line in their expansion to the south. So in due time, Russia 
conquered the other Tatar kingdoms and their capitals. One by one they fell. Samara, Saratov, Sarasu, now known as Volgograd, and finally Astrakhan. The Volgograd expansion established Russia as a true empire. And it was such a success that the Russians built the St. Basil Cathedral to commemorate the conquest of Kazan and Astrakhan. In less than a century, the Russian lands united and conquered the Tatar kingdoms and finally formed an empire. This was a relatively quick expansion and was perceived as a threat by its neighbors and this era of expansion was followed by a period of total war. In the next two centuries, the Russian Empire engaged in wars against the Baltics, the Swedish, the Danish and the Polish. This was followed by another series of wars against the Crimean Tatars, Ukrainian Cossacks and the Ottoman Empire. And this was again followed by even more wars and more conflicts. In some of the military engagements, Russia emerged victorious. And in the other engagements, the Russian state barely survived. Most of these wars were fought over in the North European plains. And since there was no geographic barriers, every war was extremely expensive in terms of human lives. But every war was also decisive. After all, Russia had nothing to fall back on. So the leadership of the empire decided to establish new strategic cities in the eastern portion of the empire. By early 18th century, the Russian Tsar Peter the Great further expanded his empire in all directions. He argued that in order to minimize the risk of an invasion and guarantee the survival of the state, immense expansion and buffer zones were required. Russia's new backup strategy depended on large portions of lands. These lands provided Russia with the capability to withdraw. And so it was essentially conquer or be conquered. And since this was the only viable strategy the Russians had, they expanded the empire unlike anything before in history. They mobilized the entire society and dedicated a large segment of their culture to the survival of the state. In the Far East, Russia only stopped expanding when it reached a strong geographic barrier such as the Ural Mountainous Range, the Altai Mountains, Lake Baikal, the Sayan Mountains, the Stanovoy Range and the Sea of Ototsk. These barriers made it extremely difficult to implement a land invasion into Russia from the Far East. When the Russians expanded to the southeast, they used the divide and rule strategy and succeeded in conquering Central Asia and the strategic geographic positions such as the Vergana Valley, the Tinshan Mountains Range and the Karakum Desert. These newly acquired territories protected Russia from any Asian power. In Russia's southern expansion, they conquered the strategic cities of Grozny, Baku and Tbilisi and this allowed Russia to establish a strong foothold in the Caucasus and the Caspian region. The search for geographic barriers continued also in the western direction. Here, the Russians pushed until they had conquered the Crimean Peninsula, the Baltics and the Carpathian Mountains. All of these conquests took centuries to accomplish and came at a great cost to all the sides. But by going on the offensive for the first time in their history, the Russians ensured some kind of safety for their empire. 
But one major problem still endured. No matter how much territory the Russians conquered from the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, they never found a geographic barrier for the North European plain. This vast open region became the Achilles heel of Russia, as it was exploited by European conquerors like Napoleon and Hitler. And the only reason Russia survived these devastating wars was because of their backup strategy of withdrawal. So anyway, with the exception of the Northern European plain, the Russian Empire became more and more secure. However, the strategy of expansion and establishing buffer zones brought forth a new dilemma. Many of the newly conquered territories had different ethnic and religious populations that were not loyal to Moscow. The alignment of these native populations were continuously manipulated by other regional empires. In essence, the new territories and its populations became a liability for Moscow. So to incorporate these territories into the empire, Russia drastically centralized the government and from there implemented various demographic transformations through methods such as mass deportations, genocides, large-scale assimilation of non-Russians, and colonization. In short, the Russian Empire changed the ethnic and religious layout of most of the newly conquered territories. But even with these demographic policies, Russia could not fully erase or pacify the native populations. So as a solution, the new Russian government established a huge internal security network as to enforce central control. This would later on lay the foundation of the modern Russian intelligence network and it became an essential part in keeping Russia together. Furthermore, having this enormous size of a country required an equally enormous standing army. The intelligence network and the size of the army obviously drained a large portion of the treasury. But to add fuel to fire, the financial drainage did not end there. By establishing and colonizing new strategic cities in the Ural, Siberia and the Far East, Russia had to deal with a new fundamental problem feeding its eastern populations. What you have to understand here is that even though Russia has plenty of arable lands and is statistically capable of feeding its population, the country has a hard time dealing with the logistics and transports of these goods. Most of the Ural and Siberian cities have long winters and short summers. This means that cities like Yekaterinburg, Kurgan, Tuymen, Tomsk, Kemerova, Novokuznetsk and many more simply cannot feed their own populations but are instead dependent on importing goods. But most of these central and far eastern cities have huge distances between them. Just traveling from one city to another city is as far as to travel from Paris to Berlin but doing so under the harsh Siberian climate and a terrible infrastructure. For example, the Trans-Siberian Railroad is the only railway connecting Siberia to the rest of Russia, and thus is the lifeline of Central and Far Eastern Russia. When you look at the map and you see the distances between Yekaterinburg to Omsk, to Novosibirsk, to Krasnoyarsk, you get the idea of the genuine size of Russia and how sparsely populated it is, and how extremely expensive it is to keep everything running. 
So in essence, one of the main historic and modern problems of Russia is the transportation costs of goods from Western Russia to Central Russia. The distance simply makes the goods unaffordable and without sufficient food, these cities could not exist. But despite the high costs and maintenance, the strategic importance of these cities is central to the long-term security of Russia. After all, the Ural is Russia's backup plan. If ever the western portion of Russia were to be occupied, the Russian government would fall back to the Ural cities and continue the fight from there. In short, these central cities are essential to Russia's long-term security. And so this whole predicament gives Russia two options. Either abandon these strategic cities and make the remainder of Russia prosper, or take on the burdens and remain poor but have a backup plan. Historically, the Russian leadership went for the second option, and what happened is that Moscow subsidized for all of the transportation costs and made the food affordable. But this also meant that all of the burdens of the central and far eastern cities fell on the shoulders of Moscow. The Kremlin has been dealing with this problem since the 19th century. And as time passed by, these measures, the centralized government, the new colonized central and far eastern cities, the enormous standing army and its vast security apparatus turned Russia into an authoritarian state. But had the country failed in any of these categories, the empire would have been torn apart by nationalist movements, urban starvation, mass migration, etc. After all, geography determines destiny. This isn't meant to excuse Russia for its wrongdoings, but it does explain why the country never achieved any form of freedom, democracy or free market economy in its history, and is unlikely to achieve any of these in the future. In the next Caspian Report, we will explore the modern geopolitical interests of the Russian Federation and how this determines Russia's behavior. For now, thank you for watching Caspian Report by me, Shirvan, and Savol.